This is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. We're back after a long four-month hiatus. First, let me introduce my co-presenters. I'm your host, Marna Ashburn, here with wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman. Morning, Kelly. Hey, Marna. Hi, Mike. I'm so excited to be back. It's good to be back with you. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer, combat vet, and father of four. Hey, good morning, Marna, and good morning, Kelly. And boy, is it nice to be back and hear your voices again. It really is good to be back with both of you and with you, our listeners. Thanks for joining us as we hang out, exchange ideas, and learn a thing or two together. Here on Ethics and Etiquette, we offer insights and perspectives on sticky situations to help you examine your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. As always, we welcome your comments. Inbox at ethicsandetiquette.com. Today's topic is 10 Courtesies for Airline Travel. My recent undertaking inspired today's conversation. As I flew across the country changing planes in large airports, I observed my fellow travelers facing the challenges of modern air travel. Me being me, I started taking notes. So here, in no particular order, are some important things to keep in mind as you travel by plane the rest of the summer and in the coming seasons. And if you do this, I think your sanity and the comfort of others will be greatly enhanced. The first one is overall, a lot of forbearance, patience, and consideration is required in air travel these days. There are literally thousands of people moving in a fairly small place and everybody has planes to catch. So understand the situation, breathe, and plan in plenty of extra time for the travel if you can. And Mike, I know you have something to say about this. I do, Marna. You know, um, used to travel a lot when I was in the Army, less now, but I think it ties in very closely with what you just said. And I think it has everything to do with the attitude that you bring to travel. Um, if you go at it with a positive attitude, you know, that just makes your trip better. And it really ought to make the trip better of those people around you. At the end of the day, when I get on an airplane, I just, I think about, you know, the miracle of flight. I know that sounds a little corny, but um, here we are, we're sitting in a comfortable chair at 30,000 feet flying through the air at 700 miles an hour. And how much time does that save us? And how much better does that connect us with people we care about? So I kind of think it starts with the individual. You know, if you want a good trip, you got to go at it with the right approach. Absolutely. A little inconvenience for a big blessing. Yeah. I like to think about it. You know, you can either spend five hours driving or five hours flying to California, or you can spend five days, you know, <laughs> do the math. Yeah. How do you want to spend your time? You know, exactly. And, and oh, by the way, statistically, flying is safer than driving. So, Yeah, it's amazing what yeah. we can do. It really is. Uh, I remember seeing an ad about, um, it was way back, maybe 50s, an airline used to say their advertisement slogan was coast to coast in under 48 hours. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm flying to California in a couple of weeks, and it's going to take, I don't know, five hours. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing. Yeah. It is. It is remarkable. I think this whole airline ease of airline travel starts with the individual. Start with a good attitude, mm-hmm. patient attitude, understanding, and have situational awareness and look out for your fellow travelers. Number two, while you're waiting at the airport gate, 
Refrain from playing music on your cell phone or watching videos unless you're wearing earphones. It's already loud enough and chaotic and stressful. Don't add to it with more noise pollution. This also goes for letting your child play a video or cartoon on a tablet without earphones. For the comfort of all, please wear appropriate earphones. Likewise, if you must have a cell phone conversation, keep it short or move to an out-of-the-way corner where you won't disturb others. Research shows that hearing only half of a two-way conversation is very disruptive to people. So best not to impose that on your fellow travelers. That's my own personal pet peeve. I know other people don't feel as strongly about it as I do, but that's why it's their number two spot. Yeah, there's a lot of pet peeves I have about flying. (laughs) Watching your YouTube video. (laughs) It's remarkable how clueless some people are. I love love the people who are, I try to laugh the whole time. I just try to like pretend I'm watching Jimmy Kimmel. I love how some people are walking through the airport with their phone on speaker. And they're usually like our age. And they are literally screaming into the phone like, having this conversation which you're hearing the whole thing and I I don't agree that just hearing half the conversation is frustrating hearing any of the conversation all part (laughs) whatever if they're on a speakerphone you're hearing it's frustrating the conversation yeah Yeah, I mean I think they just don't know how to like or it's too much trouble to put the phone up to their ear or they don't understand the concept of you know wearing airpods or something along those lines right It's, it's just kind of hysterical I fly frequently with my job and I'll go into one of the airline clubs. They're so nice and you can work and be productive, supposedly. Like they have areas that are quiet with like little cubicles. Every time I go into the quiet work area, there's some Yahoo. It's usually an older man who is on a conference call. Oh, geez. You know, like talking at the top of his lungs. And the rest of us are kind of like, this is the quiet area. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, where's, it's just... Where's the teacher <laughs> to send you to... Just complete lack of courtesy. Plus, mm-hmm. a lot of times, I try not to listen, but it's impossible. And then I also get annoyed with myself, like, why didn't you bring your headphones just to put them on so you don't have to listen to this? Yeah. But a lot of times, it sounds like it's sort of proprietary or, you know, private corporate information. And I'm thinking, why are you having this conversation where people can listen? Yeah, talk about clueless. Yeah, it's just just uh, a conference call in a public place. It happens all the time in these clubs in an area that's supposed to be, you know, for for kind of quiet work. They certainly could find a place in the club where they go off to a corner that's a little bit quiet and private where they could have the conversation. But, you know, that would be just way too much trouble. Yeah. Do they, in these club rooms, I've, which I've never been in one, do they have booths? Like some of there's, these, space, like WeWork spaces have booths for quiet. Most of the ones I go to have like an area like that you enter but it's like an open there's not a door and then there are like little cubicles with chairs lined up next to each other it's almost like don't laugh but it's almost like a prison where like (laughs) there's like a side thing on each side but you know that's it um I have seen clubs I think one or two that I've been in where there is an actual little room you could enter and shut a door and you're really in this very little area but it's private Um, like an old phone booth 
Yeah, it's a little bigger than that. But yeah, and you could sit down and work. But nobody ever seems to go in there. It's way better to just let everybody hear your business. Yeah, but you can always go to the staff of the the club room and say, hey, you know, the Yahoo over there is causing trouble (laughs) and, you know, maybe we should uh, make a change here. So, Yeah, Yeah, I'm not sure how... I've never done that, Mike, and you're right. Mm. I'm not sure how receptive they would be because probably they want to try to keep everybody happy and they probably would suggest (laughs) that I move or or they'd think I was a Karen and be like, calm down, lady. (laughs) (laughs) You know... To Kelly's point, I think there's some equipment that if you're going to travel a lot, you should invest in. Headphones, a decent set of headphones, and they can be in the ear, over the ear, whatever whatever works for you, whatever you like. And oh, by the way, they're multi-purpose. I'm wearing mine right now as I podcast. That's a game changer if you're traveling, because not only is it more courteous to people around you if you have to have a conversation, but you can really quiet the experience and kind of calm things down a little. I use them on the airplane all the time. The other piece of equipment. Yeah, right. The other piece of equipment I've just gotten and really, really appreciate is um, one of these little... uh, eye masks which darken the room if you want to take a nap which i often do on a flight because it makes it go quicker put that thing on and wow what a difference so headphones on eye mask on you know lean your head back and you know i don't know about you guys but i'm out like a light shut out the world eye masks are great also i would add they don't have blankets on planes anymore so if you can bring your own little lightweight blanket because they yeah. can get pretty cold sometimes. Yeah, and true. There's no blankets. Mm-hmm. Found that out on my last flight. Yeah. All right. Number three, don't carry on a cell phone conversation when you're at the ticket counter or check-in counter, or I would add any of the food counters. Giving airline personnel your full attention is the way to go. It's just very disarming when somebody's at the ticket counter with a representative and trying to complete a transaction and you're talking on the phone with somebody else. I saw that happen quite a bit. Just don't do that. Hang up and be in the moment. Enough said about that. Number four, if you had something to eat while waiting at the gate, be sure to throw away all your trash to keep the gate clean for the next group. Now, I noticed that people would eat at the gate and then just leave their cups and litter at the seat by the gate, and then they would board the plane. That's just rude. Yeah. You want to leave a place as nice or nicer than you found it. But having brought up food... What about the person that, like, gets a tuna fish sandwich or, or, or has a big Mexican meal, and they carry it onto the plane and sit next to you and eat it? Yeah. <laughs> I know. And the that smell. is not fun. The so now smell. Oh, I yeah. know. Now you're supposed to wear your headphones, your eye guards, and now you got to get one of those swimming things <laughs> and to close your nose. Kelly, I want to fly with you. <laughs> Holy smokes. Can you like, imagine? Shut but out Kelly, the world. Would you, would you say? No, no eating Mexican meals on the plane, or I mean, yeah, no I mean, eating. I would prefer people not bring a giant meal onto the plane, and I see it almost every flight. And I even if they're not in my row, it just is a little bit disarming. I, maybe something that's not super smelly would be helpful. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, you know, some people are just sloppy eaters, and they're chewing, and they got this whole thing going on. But again, I guess yeah. that's where you're. You know, quieting headphones, you could put on your eye mask, you could do a nose guard, and you could also put on a COVID mask. (laughs) And the thing about those meals is when they're done, the smell still lingers in the plane. absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then they got a big pile of trash. (laughs) Yeah, that gives off fumes. 
and they're just waiting for the instead of like getting up and bringing it to like the back of the plane or you know there's garbages by the laboratories no no yeah. no they like keep it like at their foot you know under put the it at seat. their feet and yeah. everybody within 10 rows is like what is that smell exactly <laughs> so try to refrain from eating on the plane and also throw away your trash from when you ate at the gate number five While we're talking about the gate, seating is often at a premium at the gate. It's best not to take up one seat for yourself, another for your carry-on, another for your tote and laptop and smelly Mexican dinner and drink. Let's try to keep it one seat per person. That's the courteous thing to do. Yeah, I want to jump in there, Marna. So I'm going to offer another option. Don't sit down. Because, you know, you guys know I have a bit of a walking problem as it is. I just think moving in the airport makes your travel that much more pleasant and it's better for your body. So you're going to be sitting down in a in an enclosed, cramped place, you know, and you're going to have to keep your seatbelt on for a certain period of time. So as long as you can keep moving and walking, do that. You know, so if your gate's not loading yet, you know, take another lap through the terminal. The same thing applies to... You know, as you walk to and from your gate, like take the stairs instead of taking the escalator. So just get the blood moving and keep your body kind of a little more engaged before you have to sit down and put your seatbelt on. I find that makes a huge difference, especially on long trips. That's a great idea. So so are you the gentleman I see doing deep knee bends over by the windows? I do that, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, are you like doing push-ups and sit-ups too? <laughs> no, I try to wall, keep it too. I try to keep it rather discreet. Well, really, what I do is I put my my cell phone on speaker, um, Kelly, and then I do push-ups, sit-ups, jumping jacks, uh, burpees to the loud music. As I have a very loud conversation with, you know, like like you know, one of my family members. So. That's what I do. I don't know yeah. about you, Kelly. And yeah. then you guys are screaming at each other, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, well, yeah. maybe I could yeah. help resolve this. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm working so hard doing the burpees, I have to speak louder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so but it is me. a good idea to, it's to, all about you. to stay on your feet, especially, yeah. you know, I'm sounding kind of panicky, but as we get older, you know, there's always an increased risk of stress if you are sedentary for a long period of time. And so even when you're on a, a long flight it's it's not a bad idea to get up every hour and just walk up and down the aisle and but certainly totally agree yeah certainly exercising or just you know staying moving around before you board is is always a good idea as long as you're not doing all that other stuff that mike just outlined yeah yeah no i will only do that if i should ever fly with you kelly okay (laughs) i will reserve that and i will be keeping my distance and acting like i don't know you (laughs) i don't know who that weird guy is. Look at that guy. Speaking of walking, number six is stand on the right, walk on the left. This is true for people movers and escalators at airports. If you stand only on the right, you keep the left side free for people to sprint by. Many folks have tight connections. We've all had this situation and have to hustle to get to their gate. So keep the left side open so that they can move quickly through the airport. I often see people standing and blocking these people movers and escalators. Escalators, one thing, but the people, the uh, the moving sidewalks, you know, when somebody camps right in the middle with a bag on each side. Yeah. It's like, what are you thinking? You know, this is not designed as like a horizontal escalator here. Okay. This is to move you faster through the air. I agree. And I also love how everybody tries to carry their bags on and 
and then the attendant says, hey, you know, the, there's, the flight is full. We can't put any more bags um, above the seats. You know, leave your bag. We won't charge you, and it'll be placed on the, the walkway when you exit at our destination. Then you get off the plane, and there's like, 20 people clogging and you can't even walk through the walkway because they're all like clumped waiting for their bag. Um, I love that. Yeah, that's special. Love that. Uh, Again, you know, common courtesies keeps creeping into this this conversation. It does. uh, We're going to talk about bringing big bags on the plane. That's another. Yeah. That's a couple uh, items down. Also, you know, I think it was the DFW airport. They have the little shuttle trains that go from satellite terminal to satellite terminal. And I noticed that the doors would open and people exited and entered the same doors. Really poor design. But people were trying to get on the train before the people who were on the train could get off. It was a real cluster. (laughs) I mean, what's wrong with letting people get off and then getting on? Yeah, those people need to spend some time in the New York City subway system (laughs) and kind of get their hat handed to them a few times if they try to get on a train um, before people get off. I think they just don't know. Or, again, they're remarkably clueless. And and that's common in so many airports. I, I travel to Minneapolis a lot. There is you know, a shuttle or a train that moves between their two terminals. I mean, Atlanta is, you are on a train, usually for some time. And some folks don't seem to understand, you know, what you just described. And maybe they're clueless, but also maybe they just haven't been on a subway or a train or anything like that. And they just are uncertain how to proceed. Well, mm. that's very kind of you, Kelly. Yeah, Kelly. It's very unlike you, Kelly, to it be this like understanding. It seems like life 101 to me. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you don't know, you know now from this podcast. Number seven. After your bags go through the conveyor at the TSA screening checkpoint, carry your plastic tray of shoes, belt, purse, bag, pocket contents, etc. to a nearby bench for this purpose exactly, and reconstruct yourself there. Clear out of the way so you don't create a backlog at the conveyor belt. I see people standing there, and and there's a big pile-up accordion while they're putting themselves back together. Move out of the way. We've got benches. Totally. We've got tables. And it's always, again, it's always some guy. You don't ever see a woman doing it. At least I don't. It's some guy Mm. that is just like putting on his belt, putting on his shoes, doing this, doing that, like emptying out his bin, like right when, you know, right when the tray came out of the the conveyor thing. It's just Yeah, right by the opening. Yeah, right by the opening. Everybody else can't get, you know, they're, you know, they can't even get their trays because the guy's like just completely redressing. And then the best part is sometimes he just walks away. He doesn't even take the empty tray and put it where it goes. (laughs) Yeah, Kelly, I don't know if I'm going to assign that fault just to men but i I kind of am i I know it's (laughs) terrible but it's just my experience i I just i think sometimes guys and i mean i have two sons and i love them but they just sometimes are not aware of other people's needs so Mm, oh boy i'm getting myself in trouble now you are you are (laughs) you're you're alienating a lot of people even those (laughs) in your own family maybe half the listeners (laughs) yeah maybe maybe. is she alienating or is she giving them a wake-up call 
Oh, Marna C. Probably both. Marna, you're supposed to be objective. Come on. (laughs) Well, you know, I I raised a son, Micah, as you were talking about doing exercises in the terminal. Uh, I do recall my son actually doing push-ups in the terminal once. Just getting his exercise out of the way. That's okay. Go to an empty (laughs) gate, get out of the way, and, you know, do your thing. Do your yoga, roll out your mat, whatever you need, you know. (laughs) Just do it, do it, you know, but stay healthy. I just want to say on the whole conveyor belt thing, you know, I mean, again, if you're going to travel a lot, get the right tools. So, you know, ditch the belt with the massive metal buckle. And, you know, there's some really cool belts out there that have a plastic buckle now. Mm-hmm. And get shoes that don't have a steel shank in the bottom. So you <laughs> set off the alarm every time. Um, yeah. Do yourself a favor. The Slip other off is. shoes. Yeah. The other is um, go ahead and, and get TSA pre lined up. Mm-hmm. And just make your life a lot simpler. You know, it's out there for anybody who's you know, an upstanding citizen and takes the time to get it. It may cost a little bit. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think you're so right. It's not that expensive. And if you fly, you know, more than probably a handful of times a year, it is so worth it. Because sometimes, and it's nobody's fault. I know in Philadelphia, if I fly out on a Saturday morning, there are occasions I get to the airport at 3.30 or 4 a.m. for an early flight. And the line for, you know, the regular TSA literally winds and winds. It goes across the walkway that goes over the road that comes into the airport. I mean, you are in an hour plus and it it's nobody's fault and you're kind of sitting there going am i gonna make my flight it, it's it's mm-hmm. stressful so c yeah. number one a lot of patience and a lot of forbearance and build in a lot of time yeah that's right but yeah it's true you know speaking of tsa checkpoints i had knee replacement a couple of years ago and i will often set off depending on the settings of the um, checkpoint there i'll often set it off and so then i have to have a pat down right <laughs> by a female TSA officer. And the first time that happened, she said, would you like a screen for privacy? And I said, oh, no, no problem. Go ahead. Well, I should have asked for a screen because it was pretty invasive. I thought we were engaged afterwards. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, with the back of their hands, they rub you, the waistband of your pants and your butt and the inner thighs. Yeah, pretty invasive. Wow. I'm not sure what to say to that. Yeah, I don't either. I'm somewhat speechless, Marna, which Ask for a doesn't happen too often. So. If you don't want to be, you know, publicly patted down, yeah. I would recommend a screen. They'll do it. They'll have a bad attitude, but they will Yeah, like it. an hour later. They're like, yeah. hey, lady, go stand over there. Yeah. I'll be go, with you shortly. Go, go get in the regular TSA. Go get in the regular TSA uh, line, and man. And then you're just Try standing again. there waiting. <laughs> yeah. Waiting. Just, just waiting. A hint if you have any prosthetic limbs and things, joints. Here's a good one. We're all parents here. I know Mike has flown with children. He has four. What if there's a crying child or a crying toddler on your flight, Mike? Well, you know, a couple things. One is uh, option A is, you know, break out the eye mask and the noise-canceling headphones and try to do your best. But if and it- the Robitussin <laughs> for the kid? Uh, yeah, I prefer Benadryl. But the other is like, try to make things better like can i help you can i take the kid can you know we do peekaboo over the back of the seat um you know i have been helped by so many wonderful people back i used to fly with four children at the same time by myself and it was newborn two-year-old four-year-old six-year-old and um, i had so many wonderful people usually women of a certain age who would just like 
help me out. It was really something. So I'd say those are your two options. I think the mom and or dad or both of them are doing the best they can. You you can't help if a baby's crying. I mean, but I agree with Mike. Try to help. I know our coach, Marna Debbie Hill, posted, I don't know, it might have been a year ago, but it was so cute. I think she took a flight out to Denver, and there was a mom flying with twins by herself that had to get somewhere. And Debbie, like, just took one of them the whole Mm -hmm. flight. Was like, I'm a grandma, let me help you. And she sent a few photos, like, posted them on Instagram. It was just so touching. And I thought, oh, it's so wonderful that there's people like that. The mom, you could tell, was thrilled. But it just made the flight so nice for the baby. And I I could tell that Debbie loved it, you know? Yeah, oh, for sure. Talk about a good deed, so... Just supports what Mike's saying, you know, try to help, try to make it better. Because you know the parents' blood pressure is going up, up, up with the screaming baby. Or I was on a plane with a toddler who was obviously teething and crying from the TSA checkpoint, the gate, and on the plane. But just a lot of understanding and patience. I mean, but for the grace of God, that could have been me when I was traveling with kids by myself. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I remember traveling and having one of the kids struggle, and you just feel terrible. And you're like, oh, my gosh, please be quiet. But there's nothing you can do. Yeah, that's right. All right. This is for Kelly. What if the child behind you is kicking the back of your seat? Oh, boy. That's hard. Uh, Yeah, that's super annoying. I would think that mom or dad has to know that. So maybe, I don't know that I'd say anything. It depends on how long the flight is. I guess I'd have to see what the situation is. I might turn around and kind of give a look and hope that that gets the parents' attention. But I don't know that I'd say something. But if it if it was a long flight, I probably would. I'd probably say, oh, excuse me, would, you know, is it possible that, you know, that you could see, you know, I don't know. I don't know how I'd put it, but I'd have to try to say something. I had a situation recently where it was almost funny and I was reluctant to say something, but got on a plane. I don't know how I ended up at the back of the plane because I fly so much. I usually end up with a very good seat. So the plane takes off. There's a guy in front of me, really big guy, like, you know, not so much overweight, but probably 6'6 and maybe 280, like big guy. So he immediately puts the seat back. I'm telling you, the seat was broken. It like was almost it was touching my knees it was almost like on my lap (laughs) I was like oh "Oh my god and the guy like was asleep like he immediately like was like Mike described I could never be that way but he was out and I was like this is untenable I cannot (laughs) I cannot I couldn't you know you couldn't even take the tray table out you couldn't I couldn't move so I I was annoyed for like 10 minutes and then I said to the I said something to the stewardess. I was like, "Hey, you know, like I think the seat's broken." I you know, she tried to like ask him to put the seat up, but he was so asleep and she anyway, she was like, "Do you just want to move to another seat?" And I was like, "Yes." And so she was she was lovely. She couldn't have been nicer and she took me to another seat, which was great. So well, that's yeah, good play, something. Kelly. Good play. Yeah. Thank you. It was, it you was know, stressful for me to say something, Mike, you know? Right. You know, I'm very shy. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. I'll just take that under advisement. You know, you bring up a great point, kind of working with and being nice to the attendants on the airplane, the person who checks you in, you know, those folks can really make a difference if they need to, or if you want them to. And, uh, I just kind of make it a a matter yes. of habit to be really pleasant. Just if you're passing by, say, hey, hi, thanks. That was a great flight. 
smile. Yeah, they have a tough you know? job. I they mean, do. they have a tough like they really if, do. If when you read, if you keep up with things, almost every day there's some crazy flight story where some attendant had to put up with some just absolute nonsense. Like right. you're like, I couldn't mm-hmm. make this up. It's so uh-huh. nuts. Oh, and, they even made a reality show out of it, Kelly. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, yeah. it's just a, it's not an easy job. And no. and most of them are really good. They're yeah, totally they're agree. Polite, helpful, even under difficult circumstances. So it never hurts to be nice. My nephew's wife. She was traveling on Christmas Day once, and she had prepared thank you notes ahead of time. And for every airline representative who helped her ticket, flight attendant, whatever, she gave them a thank you note. Thank you for working on Christmas Day to help us get to our destination. Wow. There you go. Really made them happy. (laughs) Yeah, that's so kind. Really nice touch. Number nine, don't drag in carry-on suitcases the size of a footlocker. Come on. There are reasons for the size restrictions on airplanes. If you don't know them, you can look them up on the website and measure your suitcase. That's what I do. The bags fit in the overhead compartment easily if they're the right size. Folks can board and deboard more quickly or easily if it's too big then check it or repack everything into a smaller bag. I still see this on planes a lot. Huge, huge bags. And they've gotten past all the ticketing and everything, gate agents, and they're still bringing these huge bags on the plane. Crazy. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I, I want to add something to that, Marna, though. And <clears throat> you guys may have heard of a book called Vagabonding. It's written by Ralph Potts. And he kind of talks about the joys of sort of unplanned and unfettered travel. And he says something that goes like this. The enjoyment of your trip is indirectly proportional to the size of your luggage so that's you know if you drag half of your belongings with you you will by definition not have as good a trip as if you travel light and that's been his experience yeah and And is that yours too yeah oh absolutely because you need less than you think you know so bring less get a good bag you know go to tj maxx where you can get a good suitcase for half the the list price and i tell you it makes a huge difference the toiletries are always my downfall. It's like wanting to wear bag. wanting to wear clean clothes is my downfall. See, now you're making me look bad, Kelly. You know, you didn't need to do that. I, I can't help it. I mean, you can pack light, but it's not fun being next to a smelly traveler. Oh, okay. This is another well, podcast the, topic. The, I the think. art, okay. yeah, the art of packing for a trip. I, I think I need to do my own research on that because I'm not very good at it. I always overpack. Yeah. I pack my bag, and then I look at it, and I go, okay, take one-third out. And I just, because inevitably, I don't either need or want or use one-third of the stuff I carry with me. So I'm trying to do that. It's a work in progress. Yeah, I hear you. I'm going on a trip in a couple of weeks, so I'm going to take that into consideration. Okay, number 10, a baggage claim. Don't crowd the carousel. If everyone stands a few feet back from the carousel, more people can have a better view of the bags that are coming out and then step up easily to claim their suitcase. If other passengers are standing with their knees braced against the carousel, people can't get that view. It's very frustrating. So just stand a little bit back from the uh carousel and also i think it's funny that we still call it a carousel there aren't too many carousels left they're more like serpentine things that go through baggage claim but we still call them baggage carousel so that's one of my personal things i wish people would not do crowd the carousel yeah i just box them out box them out yeah (laughs) yeah i played basketball in high school so i just use that skill 
There you go. Yeah, Traveling with Kelly. Hmm. <laughs> Never a dull moment. <laughs> what What about the uh, courtesy and patience? <laughs> well, you know I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah sort of. Yeah. I usually just kind of, you know how everybody basically crowds where the bags are kind of coming down. I usually just go to the other end, which often is closer to the exit and then you have to like roll your bag a little bit of you know a little bit less and just grab the bag and go you don't have to be right where that bag comes right out no let them bring it to you yeah yeah very smart Mm. anything else you want to share no, I think we've really covered the landscape here. You know, I'm looking it? forward to my next trip. I have one more thing to mention. I think in some ways, I mean, COVID made things very difficult, but we did kind of learn about masks and, you know, how wearing masks in some instances can help. I, I know that there's a lot of people that say, oh, you know, this kind of mask doesn't protect against anything. But I can't help but feel unscientifically that having a mask on can be helpful. And I would just say, like, if you're coughing, if you're sick, wear a mask. It's just so nice and and helps everybody else out. There's nothing fun about being on a flight. And I've experienced this probably my last four flights where there's somebody fairly close by that is coughing regularly, blowing their nose. And you're kind of like, oh, no. Often I'll then put on a mask because I'm like, well, I got somebody sick nearby. So that's just another suggestion. No, I think it's a great one, especially... You know, as we move into cold and flu season here, I just think there's a distinct difference between winter travel and summer travel. So It's just a courtesy. And, and I know it's not fun, but it, it just is helps others out. And, and there's always older folks on the plane. And if you can avoid exposing them to something that you're aware that you have, it's a nice thing to do. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. That's, that's a really good, good call. Mm-hmm. Planes are already sort of a petri dish of germs and bacteria mm-hmm. as it is. Mm-hmm. So many people in such a small, confined space. So, yeah, right. that's a good one. I always take my airborne before I go, mm-hmm. give my immune system a boost. Thank you, guys. This was very helpful. I'm going to move to on a positive note where we have recognition of some beautiful blessing we've come across and we want to share it something positive. I have one. I know Mike has one. Let me tell you what mine was. For my 60th birthday, which I celebrated in Las Cruces, uh, we went out to a restaurant, which I chose because it has a beautiful uh, western view of the desert sunset. As we arrived there, the storm clouds rolled in. Do you know how many days a year it it storms in New Mexico? It's like three. Wow. And and it stormed on my birthday, and it was disappointing. I thought, well, we're not going to get a sunset here on my birthday. But what happened was this epic storm rolled in and the dark clouds and the atmospheric charge and the the lightning produced the most cinematic otherworldly sunset I've ever seen. My sister said in all her years of living there, she had never seen a sunset like that. And it was because of the storm and the dark clouds. And and there was a sunset. We saw the sunset. So it was actually a beautiful birthday sunset. And my birthday takeaway from that is trust the processes of life. Ooh, Marna. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Did you take a picture, Marna? I did. Can can you post it? I will post it. Awesome. I'd love to see it. And Mike, I know you have one, too. Yeah, I want to talk about the power of personal example. Um, We had the 
pleasure of having dinner last night with a, a couple friends of ours. She and I served together on the board of a, the same nonprofit, Champlain Area Trails. So she has had a condition, a disease for 20 years now. And we've met in other circumstances, but we've never had dinner together and spent a lot of time together. And I just was struck by how positive she is and how she lives her life with such vigor and such audacity. It was a real powerful example that motivated me to look at my life a little differently. So I just I want to thank her. It was uh, it was a wonderful evening, and I just was so struck by the way in which she lives her life. So Great example. Yeah. Sort of trusting the processes for life, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, Marnik, I also have a... Okay. Yeah, if I could. Um, sure. One thing I want to say about your example, Mark, or sorry, my husband was... It also starts with an M. Yeah, yeah, it's a senior moment, I guess. <laughs> what I was going to say, Mike, is what your story about your friend reveals, I think, is that character is really defined and revealed in times of difficulty. Yeah, it's easy to be good sport when everything's going your way. Yeah. Sounds like your friend is a wonderful person. It was just a ray of sunshine, you know, to continue with Marna's theme there. It was really, really neat. So, Well, my on a positive note is about our son, Bobby, who is 18 and is getting ready to head off to college next week. So he's our last child out of the house. And I just wanted to wish the class of 2023 good luck. It's a big, exciting change for them and for their parents. I just want to wish them blessings on their new adventure. That's happening all over the country. That's great. That's great. Shall we tell them that He's going to the same school that my son went to. Yes, University of Vermont. Very really? exciting. Yeah. 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 Wow. Good. Yeah. Good positive notes. Thanks for sharing. And before we end, I want to send thoughts and prayers to the people of Maui after those devastating fires. We're thinking about you and keeping you in our prayers. That's going to be it for us today. As always, keep the conversation going. Our email is inbox at ethicsandetiquette.com. At Ethics Etiquette is our Instagram handle, and our website is ethicsandetiquette.com. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thanks for hanging out with us. For Mike Derrick and Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman, I'm Marna Ashburn, and this is Ethics and Etiquette. New episodes are posted on the first and third Wednesdays of the month. See you then.